Happy Sunday. Yo, it's almost Christmas time. It is almost Christmas day. I'm I'm excited. excited. Oh, look at that. Jinx. Yes. Jinx. Christmas jinx. So what are the plans? Do you have plans for Christmas? Every Christmas we do it the same way. We start with a little church service we do at the crib. Okay. So we do some scripture. We sing some songs. Okay. We pray. We talk about what we're thankful for. And then everybody opens the presents one at a time, starting with the youngest kid working their way up to the oldest adult. Wow. That sounds very... um, And nobody can skip ahead. That's awesome. That sounds very responsible. That sounds very fair. Um, I will be having the complete opposite come Christmas Day. What are you doing? Um, So for those who know me, I'm not a drinker. I I don't drink. I didn't start drinking alcohol until I turned 30. Um, and even then, 20 years ago, I'm um, 20 years ago, not even 10 years ago. Okay. Um, even then I tiptoe, I tiptoe, I have, I'm not deep in the alcohol pool. I keep it light around champagne. Um, I plan to start my morning with a bottle of champagne, not the entire bottle, Ooh. but I plan on like the first, well, if I decide to work out in the morning, I will work out first, which I probably will a little Christmas day workout. But everything thereafter, I think I'm going to be sipping on champagne all day. Um, that sounds like a new tradition. I mean, I'm, I don't want to make it a tradition. I don't want to be doing this every day for the rest of my life. But So this is solo drinking or are you going to be with some people? Like who who's doing all this drinking? So first of all, it's not all this drinking, right? Like anyone who knows me, I might get through a glass mm. through, through the whole day, right? So I got to open the bottle. So, you know. But like one glass, I will be sipping on the same glass all day long. And that that will be great for me. Um, so I will be drinking the champagne solo. Okay. Um, and then at some point I will make it to my parents' house and do that gift exchange. Um, I don't, I'm not in the mood for a lot of food. So I'm just going to chill. I want like a real chill Christmas day. Christmas like is my it. favorite holiday. I'm going to watch as many Christmas movies as possible, my favorite Christmas movies, have a little champagne, have some cake in some capacity, and keep it cute. Okay. All right. I picture you booed up, but that's all right. Me and Santa? <laughs> that sounds like a nice Christmas, Tiffany. Yeah. I, I feel it. like this year has been a lot of unexpected, just ups and downs and all over the place. And if I could just keep it chill, as chill as possible, again, with a little celebratory champagne, I might even throw some pancakes in there. I'm a pancake Come girl. Come you on. know what I mean? I like it. I might just smooth this Christmas thing on out. I don't I don't want no nothing too exciting on Christmas Day. I love it. I love it. Now New Year's Eve, that's another conversation. Mm. That's different. Wow. Yeah. If you if you're doing champagne for Christmas, I hate to see what you're doing for New Year's. Yeah, no, it's definitely more champagne for New Year's. So last year I had a New Year's Eve party. Okay. That won't be happening again. Uh, you never know. No, I know. Who I, knows? I, I mean, I paid for it. I planned it. <laughs> it won't be happening again. Uh, I will not be spending New Year's Eve alone, but it'll be low key. Okay. More champagne. All right. More food this time. Okay. It'll be great. Salmon. 
what? No, no salmon. <laughs> no salmon. Controversial. Yeah, not the controversial salmon. But it's almost Christmas. We're excited. We're excited you're still listening yes. to our podcast. Yeah, we've been getting some folks listening. Yeah, word on the street our, is. Our numbers are kind of popping Word right on now. the street okay. is. We're kind of popular out here. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about the Momentum Advisors. Yeah, and we're real life financial advisors too, and entrepreneurs. I know. And we we are Y'all living. Y'all think the, I'm, we're making this up? Yeah, we're living the life that we're talking about, and we're qualified. Yeah, and we've been living it for a very long time. Like we yes. didn't just get here; we've been here. Yes, we are not new to this. We are true to this. Absolutely. So today we're talking about building your net worth, and this is a topic that really matters in our community because we've got some catching up to do. Frankly. Yeah, I also think it's not a it's not a term that we use in our own community. I don't think we talk about net worth. I think it's like how much money you got, what you got in the bank. Like I think that's how we think about money. I think that's how we think about our wealth. But um, our net worth is not something that we think about or know how to determine or know how to navigate. And so we got to have the conversation. We'll explain why it matters. But we'll explain what it is. It explains like how it how you can really identify value. I think one thing that we see all the time is a lot of people reach out to us. They go to our website, momentum-advisors.com, and they ask us to look at their portfolio. You know, any everybody knows that if you want us to look at your personal portfolio, we will do that. We will do an analysis, we will give you our feedback, and we'll have a conversation. You don't have to become a client or anything like that, and it's completely free. But the main way that we start all these conversations is by identifying what your net worth is. And I think most of the time people are completely caught off guard. Yeah. Now, net worth is a it's a wealth concept, right? Like your net worth is a number that encompasses the financial assets that you've been able to accumulate. It's the big picture. It's an important number that everybody should know. A lot of people hear this topic of the buying power of the black community and it's trillions of dollars. And there's a big difference between buying power, spending power, and net worth, right? And the thing that really creates value that can be passed down from generation to generation, it's net worth, it's not spending, it's not spending power. So we're going to talk about it, what it is, how to grow it, how to close that gap, because we all know that there is a huge wealth gap in this country. The average white family has a wealth that is almost 10 times that of black families. And we're not going to belabor that point. We know why. We were enslaved while the country was being built. There are people that did not have a chance to build wealth. They could not own property. And then when we could, we were discriminated against. And again, the thing that will close the wealth gap, yes, we could have a reparations conversation, but what if they don't come? We've got to talk about strategies that we can employ in our own lives to make sure that we close that gap. You will also hear Alan and I talk about often that we just don't believe all these stats, right? Like we don't believe all the doom and gloom stats that, you know, black people have a negative net worth in the next five to 10 or however many years. We don't believe the narrative that blacks aren't making progress in their wealth. As Alan mentioned earlier, we do this all day, every day, and know all of our clients aren't black. But a lot of them are, a lot of the people that we talk to, a lot of people who we do an analysis on their financial profile are. And we see progress, like we see growth, like, we see more good than bad. And so honestly, I think we believe that this narrative that's continuously pushed out by the media is to drive us to think lower of ourselves and have lower expectations of ourselves so that when we don't do better, it's okay because that's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Now, we're not going to allow this to happen in our own households, and we certainly don't want it to happen in yours, where we see people falling victim to these statistics that predict that we're going to have a negative net worth. 
that's not going to happen in my house. Like, what if somebody predicted your baby was going to be ugly? Like, if you're <laughs> pregnant, right? Like, if you're pregnant right now and somebody was like, listen, it's a 74% chance that your baby's going to be ugly. Like, you don't, you're not buying into that. You're not now taking all the cute outfits back because they're going to be ugly anyway. They're going to ugly the outfits up. Like, no, you're not, you're not embracing that information, right? I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> That's a funny one because you can't really help if your baby's going to be no, cute No, but if they're like, no, if they're like in right, this we... city in Rhode Island, 74% of the babies in this side of town are ugly. <laughs> then you are, then you, you someone's going to believe your baby's ugly. Like people are going to be walking around like, ah. Uh, all right, well, let me give you a different one. Can they're I not even a... going to want to see the, 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 Photo. What if I said there was a 74% chance that your baby is going to be unsuccessful in life? Like now you've got something that you can control. Like you've got the ability to raise your kid in a way where they turn out. You're trying to say you can't control what your baby looks like. You can't. Like, yeah, you could be two good looking people and produce an ugly baby. But I'm saying everybody can turn their financial situation around. Everybody can make that baby more successful. Listen, if y'all have an ugly baby, you can turn it around. I, I believe that you can turn it around. I think there are things that you could do early. You know what I mean? Like Listen, what? this is not, there's a, I mean, I don't have any children, right? So I don't know. And I don't know the last time I've seen an ugly baby. I know I've seen them, but I think it's worked out. Ugly babies are just grown looking babies. You ever see these babies that look that like look a old. grown person? That look old. Yeah. Like they were stressed out in the womb. Like they were in the civil rights movement. Yeah. Like you were probably <laughs> doing a lot while pregnant and your baby's <laughs> tired and needs some days off. So either way, that's a crazy analogy. But Tiffany, if you're predicting that somebody is going to be unsuccessful, it doesn't mean it's going to be true. That's all I'm saying. I'm telling you right now, Oh, Alan, my gosh. You're going back to it. All I'm saying is if this, if the title of this show ends up being Don't Let Them Tell You You Got an Ugly Baby, <laughs> just y'all know where it came from, okay? We make this stuff up on the spot. We really are having I a very... Listen, we're, we, we're <laughs> having a very this. organic conversation. We do. We keep it real. We keep it funky. We have some fun on the air as right. well. <laughs> okay? The net worth of your baby... Oh my God. Is not reliant. She's really not letting us I'm go. I'm just saying. I thought that was a great analogy. I think that will hit home. You ain't going to let nobody tell you that your baby's ugly. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to embrace that. What if your baby's ugly? Here's the thing. If your baby's ugly, you probably don't notice. Because you might be too. I'm just saying. Oh my gosh. So you might, you know what people are probably saying? That baby looks just like you. Oh my gosh. I'm not a part of this. <laughs> what we're talking about is how to close the wealth gap in your own household. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. There's a big wealth gap. The average household in America has a net worth of $692,000. The lies. The yeah. lies of it all. That's what they say. I mean, that's. If me and Bill Gates were in the same room, we'd both be billionaires on average. Right. And so that's how they come up with that number. Like they are taking into consideration the net worth of billionaires. And so that is heavily skewing that number significantly because realistically, so the median net worth of the average American household is $97,000. That sounds a little bit more realistic. That is the middle point where half the households have more and half the households have less. Now, what about by age? I do want to go through this part. Like, I do want to go through the median net worth by age, right? Because I think we have a lot of listeners that span a number, a variety of ages. They may be wondering where they fall. Like, am I am I doing well? And I don't, I don't even know who should say for if I'm doing well. But like, you know, am I in the same boat as most Americans, black, white, and otherwise? Am I doing better? Am I not doing as well? It's just kind of a marker. The average American under the age of 35 has a median net worth of. 
if you're between the ages of 35 and 44, the median is about $60,000 in net worth. Six zero. So that's kind of a huge jump, right? But when you're thinking under 35, are we including babies? I would assume you're Probably. accusing an adult. You're Look, hoping. Let's assume that's what we're talking about. No ugly babies under the 35. I hope, uh, I hope my babies have a net worth that's above 11, but they don't They don't have a net worth, really. Very true. Kid. They don't, my kids don't own anything, and they don't owe anybody anything. There you go. But you. But yeah. you and your wife. They owe me good grades. Okay. There that's you it. go. If I had kids, they would owe me more than that. So you said between the ages of 35 and 44. 60K. 60K. 45 to 54. 124,000. Double. Yes. Double that 60K. So statistically, your net worth should double between the ages of 35 and 55. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that your income has to double. Yeah. Right? Like it, it can mean a number of different things. That includes a variety of factors that we'll talk about shortly. But that, that says a lot that your net worth kind of doubles in that 10 year jump. So as you get older, the hope is that your net worth is increasing. If you're making some of the right decisions and if you're taking into consideration the formula that's involved when we're talking about net worth. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to be growing your assets and your assets got to be growing yes. in order for this gap to close and in order for your net worth to increase. Yes. Yeah, so growing your assets. Ages 55 to 64. Median. Median net worth for the American household, $187,000. Mm-hmm. We're getting somewhere. We're getting up we're there. We're getting somewhere. Ages 65 to 74. Pop up in them. $224,000. But the average, though, we're talking median. We're talking median. So we're talking about the midway point. But when we talk about average, right, and that includes the millionaires and the billionaires, these numbers are very different. Yeah, the average person over 65 has a million dollar net worth. And honestly, I feel like we have, we know a lot of those people. We, we speak to a lot of those people. A lot of those people are our listeners. And the thing is, again, they oftentimes don't know. They're shocked. They don't have a million dollars sitting in the bank anywhere. Oftentimes, nowhere close to it. But when we add up everything that's in play, they end up with a million dollars or more in net worth. Yeah, because it's we got to walk through the formula, but it includes not just what's in the bank. It includes your assets that you have equity in, like your home as All well. All right. So let's go through one more. Okay. One more set of numbers. Median net worth by education. Okay. Break okay. It down. So if you have a, no high school diploma, you did not graduate from high school, your median net worth is $22,000. If you have a high school diploma, 67K. Huge jump. That's a huge jump. I'm going to high school. Are you? <laughs> but you that's not, you got to graduate. That's the thing. Oh. Yeah, you okay. got to graduate. But if you, if for, for the average American that has graduated from high school, median net worth is $67,000. Now, if you went to college, I have a lot of these friends. If you went to college, like you went, but you ain't finished, mm. you know what I mean? If you matriculated, but you ain't walk. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, we you know these people. A lot of people went yes. to Morgan, but they ain't graduate. Yeah. I think that stands for all schools. Like don't feel bad about it. It might not have been for you. I know a lot of people who did that and came out to be extremely successful. But the numbers say, the numbers say the median for those people are $66,000. So not too different from having a high school diploma. But the college grad Median net worth is 292K. And I think that illustrates the point that education is worth something if you finish it. I was getting ready to say it. So, yeah, because my what I took from this <laughs> was uh, if you ain't going to graduate, don't go. Mm. It's pretty much That's another way to look at it. Because the people with a high school diploma have more 
than the people who just went to college a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yes, please graduate, then the number is exponentially higher. But one thing that this highlights is that there's a number of different wealth gaps, right? There is the wealth gap between, let's say, black people and white people. There's a wealth gap between the poorly educated and the highly educated. There's also, we've noticed a wealth gap amongst people that make six figures. Mm. Like, just because you make a lot of bread doesn't mean that you have a lot of wealth. There you go. That's what we're really trying to distill down today. So we're going to continue to talk about net worth. Stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. I'm Nikki Rojas, and I'm the senior writer for The North Star. Here at The North Star, we use liberation journalism to amplify the voices of the underrepresented and to call attention to the issues that need it the most. But we can't do that without the support of our amazing members. We would love it if you could join as a monthly member by visiting thenorthstar.com. That's thenorthstar.com. We are back. Yes. We are talking about net worth, ugly babies. Oh my gosh. Big assets, <laughs> big asses. I'm just saying. All of this it. happened in the first segment. I hope you've been tuning in. We I did hope not talk about big asses. But you were going there. Oh my gosh. I felt it. Like it looked like you were going there. Alan and I are staring directly at each other as we're taping, and that is what <laughs> was coming out of his mouth. I'm just telling you the truth. But we are talking about all these things today, right before Christmas. Ah. Uh. listen what we're trying to do is help you to understand what is the net worth what is the gap and how do you close it in your own household yeah so we spent the first segment really giving you some of the major stats around net worth when it comes to as alan mentioned a variety of different demographics so age education things like that and how they vary and honestly i hope you saw that as an opportunity just to understand where you fall i'm hoping that you don't feel like you're not doing enough or, you know, feel left behind? Because I think this show is about figuring out what to do to increase your net worth if you don't feel like you are where you should be. And if you do feel like, hey, I'm I'm doing my thing, or if you actually sit down and just calculate your net worth, I think this whole podcast episode will be worth it. If the fact, if you just, if you're just willing to do the exercise. Absolutely. So let's talk about net worth. So net worth is simply the difference between the value of your assets. Your house, your retirement funds, any bank accounts, Investment accounts. Subtracted by the liabilities or your debts. Mortgage, credit card, student loan, car loan. Net worth is the formula, right? Like it's one thing minus the other. So oftentimes, as we mentioned, people might have a million dollar net worth, but they don't have a million dollars in the bank. But if you add up all of your assets, like your home, right? Like your the, the cost of your home, like not how much you've paid on it, the cost, the price of your home today is a huge part of your net worth. It's oftentimes the largest part of most people's net worth. And they don't think about that when they're thinking about, again, how much they are worth in the world on paper. Absolutely. So going back to that formula, again, the left side of the ledger is your assets. It's the gross value of these things. So even though you might have a mortgage, what's what's the house worth? Right. Right now on Zillow today. Your retirement account. Yeah, you might not be able to cash it in tomorrow, but how much is in your 401k plan at work? That, that's a huge asset. 
The debt side is where you add up all the people that you owe and how much you owe them. The mortgage, the credit card, again, and then you subtract out your liabilities from your assets, and that's how you get to the net worth number. So let's calculate that. Take some time. Add it up. You might be surprised. But here's a couple of different scenarios to think about. Say you bought a house for $200,000 okay. maybe 20 years ago. It's now worth $450,000. Maybe things have been going well in your neighborhood. Maybe you've got $125,000, $100,000 left on that mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's $300,000 that's added to your net worth right now. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about owning a home is that over time, the value of your home will appreciate, while if you continue to pay your mortgage, the value of your debt will go down. The difference is your net worth. So you're growing your net worth as a homeowner over time. So alternative scenario, we see people who have these very elaborate, expensive homes. So maybe it's a million-dollar home. They make a great income, so mm-hmm. they qualified for um, a high loan. But they haven't been able to really pay it down. They've got a ton of student loan debt. And so they have a low net worth, but probably have a way higher income than the person who bought that $200,000 house that appreciated over time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really not about income. It's not about how much you make. It's not even just about how much is in the bank account. It really is how you've managed your life and wealth strategy over the last several years. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and sometimes it's just about making sure that you're Investing in assets, like buying a home is a huge asset. A car is not really an asset. Right. And also, if you own additional real estate, if you own investment properties, if somebody left you a home, that's an asset. If you own a business and it's profitable, that is an asset. There are so many things that are considered on your personal ledger when we're thinking about your net worth. It's more than just what you bring home every two weeks. There's a lot of people that try to trick themselves into thinking that they're building their net worth based on their decisions. Like, I'm buying a car, but maybe, you know, classic cars, they they increase in value. Yeah, that's true, but that's a very limited number of cars. And that car you're buying is probably not a classic car. Yeah, absolutely. Cars are depreciating assets. I don't even put them on the balance sheet, really. Yeah, so what we're asking you to do... I don't know if you should do it before Christmas or after Christmas. You might feel like you got more assets after Christmas. You can't put a PS5 on um, a balance sheet. Like that's not that's not considered an asset. That's not going to increase your net worth unless somebody gave you a deed to a house um, or something along those lines. Your net worth is probably going to be the same after Christmas as it was before Christmas. So let's just take an example. Let's throw out. You, you're good at making up the names. What's the name of this couple? Laquan. Oh, and it's a couple. So I need a last a name. You need no, just first names. Two first names. Two first names. Uh, Sheila and Kenneth. <laughs> okay. What happened to Laquan? Laquan's out. Okay. Sheila and Kenneth. Yes. Okay. They own their home. Sheila and Kenneth Jackson. Okay. Sheila and Kenneth Jackson. Mick Jackson. Oh my God. Sheila and Kenneth Mick Jackson. That's the name. That's it. Okay. Where do they live? Cleveland. Okay. All right. The Browns are doing well right now. Okay, so they're happy. The McJacks. So they own a home. The home is worth, let's say, 400K. Okay, Cleveland. They've got about 200K each in their 401K plan. All right. We're up to $800,000 in assets. They also have savings accounts for their emergency fund. Okay. $50,000 for emergencies. Eight fifty. They have another 20000 in a 529 plan. They for, got kids. For their kids. They got seven kids. Oh, my God. $20,000 is not going to be enough for the seven kids. <laughs> Let's make it $50,000. 
even though that's not going to be enough either, but that'll round it out to $900,000. We've got $900,000 in assets right now. The McJacksons the have McJacksons. <laughs> about $900,000 in assets. They're almost millionaires from almost. an asset perspective. Okay. Okay. Now we'll take a look at their debts. Okay. The McJacksons owe $100,000 on their mortgage. Okay. They owe $20,000 to student loans from back in the day. Okay. We're down to seven eighty dollars on their net worth. Okay, and then they have another $30,000 in various loans, personal loans, credit cards, things like that. $750,000, $750,000 net worth. That's their net worth. It's as simple as doing that math, but you think about it, their biggest assets are their home mm-hmm. and their retirement accounts. But that's traditional, right? Like, So that's that's key for most people, and I don't think people think about that or they're not including that in their net worth. I think people are just thinking about... How much do I have saved in a savings account? And I think the reason why is because most people aren't even looking at their retirement accounts. They're not looking at those statements. They're not checking in yearly. They're just putting the money away. They're setting it and forgetting it. And that's not a bad thing. But again, when trying to identify your net worth, it's important to take a look at it, see what's going on. So what we're asking you to do is to sit down and just write these things out. I think it'll be more positive than it is negative. I think some will be surprised at how much they're worth. I think others might be shocked into potentially doing some things different. We're going to give you some advice towards the end of the podcast on how to increase your net worth. And others will just be aware. I think it's really important. People oftentimes reach out to us and say, I want to save a million dollars. I want to have a million dollars in the bank. But like, why don't you predetermine what you want your net worth to be? I think we think that's just as valuable, if not more. Absolutely. So strategies, right? You've got to make sure you're accumulating assets. You've got to make sure you're paying down those assets over time. You've got to make sure that you're adding to your investments by contributing to your 401k. There's so many people that we talk to that are so disenfranchised about their 401k. Like, oh, I don't want to put money into it. Why? Just for various silly reasons. But it's not like they're taking their extra money and saving it and putting it in other investments. They're just literally not putting it in. Yeah, I think the thing about retirement savings is that it's just not sexy. Right? It's not the sexy term. It's not the hot stock. It's not, you know, it's not as cool as saying I'm in the market, even though you're in the market. Um, like it just doesn't sound cool. The term retirement just seems corny. Maybe that's what it is, but honestly, retirement savings is quite sexy, right? It is how most people build their wealth. And it's super important. It's the number one thing you should be contributing to. Absolutely. And if you don't own a home, you need to be saving some extra money somehow. You need to be making some extra investments because your home is often the biggest wealth generator for a lot of families. And again, if you're concerned about closing that wealth gap and you don't own a home, we'd love to see you make some other investments. Okay. So when we're talking about building your net worth, one, build your assets. Two, start to try to decrease your liabilities or at least take a look at them. Like all of your debts, credit cards, student loan, whatever is remaining on your mortgage, whatever else is out outstanding, any other loans that you have out there, take a look, add that number up. You know, you need to know how much you have in total liabilities, period. It's important to know, but again, if you're trying to build your net worth as you should be, try to work on getting that number down. And as Alan mentioned, it could be, you know, paying some of these things off or it could just be increasing your assets. And when you think about debt, you want to think about the highest interest debt, You also want to think about the nagging debt, like the things that are just like, man, if I could just pay this thing off, then these people will leave me alone. 
Like, think about reducing those debts over time with some strategy. Right. And consider switching things up. Like, you might be like, listen, I pay my bill every month. What more do you want me to do? Maybe you could pay your bill twice a month. Maybe you could put a little bit more on it to pay it down faster. Switch some things up. Think about biweekly payments. We oftentimes talk about the tip of paying your mortgage biweekly, right? So that just means not paying, you know, the total amount two times a month. So split your mortgage up, divide your mortgage number by two and pay half every two weeks. And by doing so, you've made an extra mortgage payment every year. Yes. And that's going to be huge at paying off that debt over time. Right. And you don't, you won't even notice it, to be honest with you. But it's a tip towards, again, getting your liabilities and your debt down. Absolutely. Another thing, trim your expenses. Like just whatever your monthly expenses are, however you spend your money, it may not be bills, but it may just be, again, how you run through these streets and and maybe you're going out every night. Uh, you know, maybe you're buying any and everything you want and see. Maybe online shopping has gotten out of control in COVID. Definitely understand. But try to trim your expenses. As you grow your net worth, that's an avenue that will be helpful. Absolutely. And then the biggest one, and I think this shouldn't be a surprise because we keep talking about how a home purchase or real estate, um, you know, will be the largest contributor to your net worth. Work on paying off that mortgage, you know, as quickly as possible. I have a lot of friends who, you know, entered into a 15-year mortgage, you know, a mortgage that has a shorter term or have been doubling up on their mortgage payments, especially in COVID because they haven't been traveling, they haven't been commuting to work. Do what you can to pay down your mortgage. Maybe you pay a little bit extra every single month. We just gave you that tip a moment ago about paying your mortgage every two weeks versus monthly. Paying your mortgage down is going to be huge towards contributing to your net worth. Absolutely. Other ideas for growing your net worth is to invest. And again, the thing about investing is that you need your money to make money. For a lot of people, they go to work to make money. But for other people, their investments, their money is making money. And eventually, you can get to the point where you're competing with yourself. There's how much money you made by going to work, and there's how much money your money made by being invested. And everybody should have the goal at some point of having their investments be more profitable than their employment. It's happening. So we've gone through some ways on how to grow your net worth, and it's really simple. It's investing in assets. It's paying down debt. It's being smart with your money as it relates to the day-to-day financial purposes. Yeah, but again, it's it's thinking about the assets as well as the liabilities. I think in a lot of financial conversations, it's like save money, uh, you know, pay things down, get rid of debt, save money. And like, that's kind of it. No one talks about the asset side. We're saying, think about growing your assets as much as you're thinking about paying down debt or cutting your expenses. Like everything ain't about budgeting. Like, I think that's the the part of the financial advice that's given out that just kills me. It's always put a spreadsheet together, put a budget together. Like, that's the answer. That's going to save your life. No, not necessarily. Like, make more money. Get more assets. Like, do what you have to do on the increase side, right, to make that outweigh what has to happen on the decrease side. I think that's how I personally live my life. Like, I, am, I do my best not to increase my budget. Like I kind of have my set standard way of living and that works for me, but I'm doing everything in my power to increase my assets on an annual basis. 
I love it. I want people to also understand what their balance sheet should look like. So we gave the example earlier of the McJacksons who had $900,000 in assets. And I think we said they had about $150,000 in debt. Yeah. So the first ratio that we'll look at is their debt ratio. And this is when you take their debt, the 150, and we divide it by their assets of 900,000. We like this percentage to be 50% or lower. For the McJacksons, it's only 17%. Okay, McJacksons. So what this implies, when I look at a low debt to asset ratio as a planner, it means that they've got the, they don't have a debt problem. They've got the ability to take on more debt if they can use it in a way to build more assets. Like buying more real estate. Absolutely. The McJacksons would be a perfect couple for investing in some additional real estate. That's what I learned from looking at their debt ratio. And again, if your debt ratio is above 50%. You need to sit down somewhere. It, it can be an issue. Yeah, you're over levered. You, you, you have a debt problem. So you probably have too much debt. You shouldn't look into getting any more debt for any reason whatsoever. And you probably need to put a real strong initiative towards paying down your debt. So as Alan mentioned, the formula is your liabilities, your debts, divided by your, your total number of assets. Absolutely. or higher is where you start to get into some trouble. And we've seen, because we we talk to listeners all the time. They reach out to us at our website, Momentum-Advisors.com, and we'll run the numbers for them. And when we start to get worried is when we see folks in the 80, 90% range. Because what that means is that you are bordering on insolvency. You, you, You could be a candidate for bankruptcy in the near future. Like you're one accident away from really wrecking doing incredible damage to your financial situation. And so again, very important to keep an eye on that debt to asset ratio. The next ratio you have to look at is your liquidity ratio. And going back to the McJacksons, they had 50,000 set aside for emergencies. They had a $900,000 net worth. That would be, you take the liquidity or the cash, you put that in the numerator, you divide it by the assets in the denominator, and they have only a 7% liquidity ratio. We like the liquidity ratio to be 15% or higher. Now, when you have a low liquidity ratio, what it means is that you could get in trouble if there's a financial emergency because a lot of people don't have enough cash to meet an emergency. They then go to break their investments or they go into more debt. And so again, the second target that we want to give you on your net worth is to have a liquidity ratio that's 15% or higher. So stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. I'm Brandon Janice, and this season on Sick Empire, I'm on a mission to highlight the voices that are helping to heal Black traumas. You'll hear as I speak with experts in alternative medicine, but the gathering in in the greatest degrees of personal integrity would have the greatest degrees of power. A timeless, natural method of healing. This is ancient. This is a return to us being in our power and that knowing that we are, we're medicine women. Plant magic. Using medicine that comes from the land, <laughs> you know? A lot of these medications are, are the main ingredient is our plants that come from the land. Black economics, prison abolition, and more. Join me as I explore the avenues that lead to greater health while surviving under a sick empire. 
Every episode of Sick Empire examines the healing journey of Black Americans. We speak to inner city therapists, Black intellectuals, Reiki masters, chefs turned activists, and much more. You'll hear a diverse mix of healing experiences, all told from the lens of Black folks. Sick Empire is still a love language, just like the streets of New York City. The first episode will be live everywhere you listen to podcasts on Monday, November 9th. The first episode is live November 2nd for members of the North Star. You can go to thenorthstar.com to become a member today. Sick Empire Sick Empire We're talking about net worth. Yes. Still. We just talked about liquidity ratio. We talked about your debt ratio. All of these numbers matter. And you may be thinking, why? I've never had anybody ask me that. I've gone to my accountant. I've done my taxes every year. No one's ever brought these numbers up. Honestly, they should, right? But honestly, it's your responsibility. We are responsible for our own wealth agenda, especially in the black community. No one's coming to save us. I don't think reparations is happening. Like we are responsible for these things. And these metrics, these numbers are the numbers that we need to know and understand for us to make some real change and to get it done. Absolutely. And this liquidity ratio, again, when people come to us or you go to a doctor, the doctor will will run your numbers, he'll run the charts and he'll explain to you, he or she will explain to you what these numbers mean, right? What we're saying is that when we see people that have a low liquidity ratio or a high debt ratio, it's similar to having high blood pressure or it's similar to having a low blood count. (laughs) I'm trying to think of another medical analogy, high blood sugar. Like these are early indicators that there could be a problem. But let's talk about some of the ways that you can avoid ruining your balance sheet, avoid ruining your net worth. So first things first, one mistake that a lot of people make is buying more house than they can afford. Right. So you go to the bank, you give them all this paperwork in the preliminary process. You give them your uh, taxes and your pay stub and they say you qualify for a million dollars. Like you you are, you know, pre-qualified for a million dollars of a house loan. And then you go out and start looking for a million dollar house. Like that's not what that means. Like realistically, can you pay the mortgage and the utilities and all the other expenses that come with owning a house? Like it's, it's more than just what you qualify for. And so a lot of times people go out and they overextend themselves on what they can really afford because they want to be fancy or because somebody gave them a magic number. And that ends up ruining their net worth because they're not able to pay down their mortgage at a reasonable rate. Or they have some major catastrophe at the home right. and they can't afford to get it fixed. Like we had a a caller a year ago, his driveway was falling apart. He had a leak in his basement. He didn't have the cash to fix the house, to maintain that net worth. And so again, you need to make sure you're not buying too much house. One, one little back of the envelope, little, little marker that we use is debt to income ratio. Like if your debts are costing more than 40% of your income, you've got a problem, right? And so you wanna make sure as you're buying that home, don't just think about the payment. Also think about the upkeep. Another big mistake we see is people not having an emergency fund. I think this is the thing that everyone gets tired of hearing us say over and over again is emergency fund, emergency fund, emergency fund. Facts. 
The reason why, and it took me a long time to understand this myself, the reason why is because if you do not have an emergency fund, you may have investments, you may have real estate, you may have all these things that are put away doing the right thing. But if you do not have an emergency fund, the moment something goes wrong and you need a lump sum of money, you're going to break all of your investments. You're going to then end up having to take money out of your retirement savings that comes with fees and penalties, or you're going to take your money out of the market. Might not be the right time. Your portfolio may be down. Who knows? But you're going to end up breaking all the things that were working for you so that you can cover this accident, where if you just had an emergency fund playing defense for you at all times, when something happens, you've got the money to cover it. And the things that are working and doing what they need to do in the background can continue to do that. Yeah, we can't overemphasize the emergency fund enough. Another mistake when it comes to building your net worth, skipping your debt payments. Yeah, one of the biggest factors in your credit score is are you consistent with making your payments? Do you have any late payments? Have you skipped any? And skipping them is really bad. Like if you're in a jam, whether it's a student loan, a personal loan, a credit card, you've got to at least talk to your lenders to talk to them about what's going on with you. And the way this impacts your net worth is because when you do take a loan out, whether it's for a mortgage or something else, your interest rate is going to be higher. You're going to end up having to pay more back over time. That is going to have an impact on your net worth. That's money that could be sitting in a bank account somewhere. On that same note, so the next issue is defaulting on debt, right? So if you're, again, skipping payments, it increases the likelihood that you're going to default on the debt. And if you default on the debt, not only does it make your interest rates higher in the future, it also makes it harder for you to get loans for good stuff, like buying investment real estate. Yeah, there's also the possibility that they take your asset from you, right? So you maybe it's your house yeah. and you're not paying your mortgage and you default on your mortgage and they take it from you. So you've been paying all this money and now you don't even have the asset to show for it. Like that, that's, that's going to cripple your net worth, right? That's going to be very hard to come back from. Another big mistake we see people make is borrowing against their retirement account. So this is a huge no-no. Like, we're not having this. Like, you got to avoid doing this. We know this happens. And oftentimes people get into situations where they take money out of their retirement fund because they didn't have an emergency fund, right? They didn't have anything playing defense. Here's the thing. Your retirement money is for you to retire. It is for what happens after you leave your job. You do not want to work for the rest of your life, maybe not at the job that you currently have, at the pace that you're currently working, at some point in life, you want to be able to have control over your own time. And that is what retirement assets are about. Saving for retirement, that 401k, that 403b, that TSP, whatever it is, is about you being able to do what you want to do at some point. Taking money out of your retirement to fix up the basement, uh, you know, to, right, like to pay down something other than credit card debt, It does not benefit you. It does not serve you. Not only is it going to have a major impact on your net worth, it's going to have a major impact on the later part of your life where you really want to be in a space to live the way you want to live. When you take money out of your retirement account, even if it's a loan, like here's a couple of things that you're doing. Number one, you're throwing yourself off course with regards to building up the balance that you're ultimately going to need to retire. Number two, even if you're paying back a loan, you're not contributing. You're really just getting back to ground zero, but you really need to be, if you want to retire comfortably, you need to be adding money every year. The next thing that you're doing is you're 
taking money away from the single asset that you own that is protected from creditors. And in some cases, giving the money to creditors. So again, it's a no-no. Don't take the money out of your retirement account. You're going to pay a lot in interest. You're going to pay a lot in penalties. And you're going to throw your entire retirement off track. I think we need to change the name of retirement account. Like I, I don't think we should call it that. Okay. I think maybe it should be called the do what I want account. Mm, that, that might make people think they need to do it now. No, but I'm saying like, I think that people are so detached from retirement. There are so many people who are like, listen, I'm never going to be able to retire. That's 30, 40 years away. That's not my problem. I'll be rich by then. I'll hit the lottery by then. You know what I mean? Somebody going to die and leave me something by that point. I might find, you know, a zaddy at that point. That means like, you know, you don't know. But I might find a rich boo. I might marry a baller by that point. I should be straight. But none of them things is happening. Like these things are not likely to happen anyway, right? And so your retirement account is literally the money that you're putting away to live the life that you want to live as early as possible for you. The life that you want to live as early as possible fund. I like that. That's what that account That's a long is about. Name, but sure. Listen, it's fine. The life we'll you want to live up with as an early acronym. as possible fund. Right. The life you want to live as early as possible. That's what that account is for. It's not for when you're old and can't work no more. It's not for, again, you know, 50 years from now, you you might be like, listen, I'm gonna just die. I'm not gonna retire. The life you wanna live as early as you want to count. So that is called the L Y W T L A E A. Listen, okay, we're going to work on a better acronym. We're going to do better. But think about it that way. Maybe you'll be more committed to yourself that way. Yeah. You're not paying your employer. Like, I think sometimes people are just so detached. Like, this is your money that's doing right by you to give you the life that you want to live in potentially in your 50s or 60s versus your 80s or 90s. And the final mistake we see people make is really just not paying off their credit card debt. Like your credit card debt, even though it might be small relative to your net worth, relative to your assets, it is like having a slow leak in your tire. Or it's like trying to heat your home, but you've got a window open and you've got the heat just flowing out. Like your credit cards are growing at a way faster rate than your investments are. Often credit cards have a 15, 20, 25, 30% rate of interest and it's guaranteed to go out the door versus your investments, which are lucky to make a seven, eight, nine, 10% rate of return. You've got to be really careful with the credit cards. I would like to start another movement, Tiffany, where people just get rid of them. You know, just get rid of the credit cards. If you already have credit card debt, pay it off, but don't add any more debt to those cards. Cut them up if you can. So we've talked a lot about net worth today, how to close that wealth gap in your own household. And I think this notion of wealth is super important because for some, wealth is tied to their self-esteem. For some, wealth is an indication of what their kids will one day inherit. I think for some people, wealth is unattainable. I think people have been listening to this narrative for so long, the things that they're hearing in the media, especially when it comes to Black people, people of color, women. And they're like, listen, I'm never going to be wealthy. I don't know nobody wealthy. No one in my family has ever been wealthy. You can really change that narrative. You can change the possibility for yourself, but it comes from being informed. It comes from running your own numbers, knowing where you stand, having some target numbers. All right, so for my liquidity ratio, I've got to get over 15%. For my debt ratio, I've got to get 
below 50%. These are goals that I have to attain. For my net worth, I just want to make sure I'm positive. Earlier in the podcast, we went through um, average net worth based on education, based on age. That doesn't have to be your number, but maybe it's a start goal for you. But you have to start to have these conversations with yourself, with your family, with your spouse, with your friends. These are the conversations that other people are having on a regular basis that really are acquiring wealth. They know where they stand. They know where they are in their own personal race. If you can commit to closing the wealth gap in your own household and you can get your friends to commit, imagine what's going to happen to our wealth as a people. That's all I'm saying. So tune in next week. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. Oh, 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 oh,